Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But now we're going to go into the scripture, Psalm 103. If Oh, you kids, if you're going to go with Mr. Jonathan back there, kids can go. You don't want to listen to me. Go with Jonathan, you'll have a better time. Kids can go with Jonathan. He's giving high fives. So we're in Psalm 103, and we're going to pray, and we're going to go into some scripture. So would you guys pray with me, please, before we we read one of my favorite scriptures ever. But Heavenly Father, it is good to read your word, and Lord, this psalm is so rich and so full. We just pray that the same spirit that inspired it would be here today and help us to understand it, that you would inspire us by your word, that you transform us, and that you would reveal yourself to us through your word. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Psalm 103, this is one of my favorite scriptures. And if you haven't heard, I say that a lot. I like a lot of scripture, all right? I'm just going to be honest. I'm not lying when I say it's one of my favorites. But this is up in the top, you know, top, I don't know, 10, 5, 3, I don't know. It's one of the best that I love. And um, it's actually a scripture. And I say this to you guys that are parents that have kids. Um, My 10 and my 11-year-old have been working on it for maybe a month. um, And they've memorized this psalm. So I've challenged them to do that. So we do um, a little Bible reading in my family, which is why I love boys. And they've memorized it. And I said, boys, I want you to know this because I think that this psalm, um, if, if you know this and you remember this and you understand this, that it will really, it'll help your life. It'll help you relate to God better and understand him better. So let's go into it. I'm going to read a few verses and I will stop and we'll talk about them. But it says, number one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. All right. Amen. Let's eat. That was good, right? I think we're done. 
I mean, what more do you need to say? But, but let, let's, let's talk about them. This is, uh, if that didn't stir your heart, um, I challenge you to read it again and to meditate on it. And when I say meditate, I mean think about it, mull it over, chew it over in your mind. Um, but, but let's start and let's go through what the psalmist is saying here. In verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Starts off and he is, he's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. Um, the, the, the Bible talks about our minds and our spirits and our strength and our soul. And it, the soul is, is hard to understand, but it's, it's that very essence of, of who we are, our emotions and our will. And he's telling himself, he's saying, soul, bless the Lord. That word bless um, has the root word, it, it means kneel, but has this idea of, of showing someone that they're worthy. Um, worship is tied into there. So he's, he's calling himself, calling himself to remember who God is and to bless him. And, you know, sometimes you'll wake up and the weather's not right. Me and Mike had a little laugh. Um, anybody else have a harder time than normal getting out of bed today? Raise your hand. Don't show your age. But that weather, it was like, ooh, something, something's happened today. And sometimes you need to, to speak to yourself and remind yourself like, what is important? What is, all, what is it all about? And the psalmist is calling for from the inside of him to everything that was within him to bless the Lord, that he would live and say worshipful things about the Lord. And he's about to give several reasons of why it's important to bless the Lord or, or why we bless the Lord. And, and he's saying in verse 2, he keeps going, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Apparently his soul didn't hear it the first time. How many times have we not heard it the first time where we knew what was the right thing to do, um, but, but our hearts weren't in it? And if you served God for more than a minute, you realize your heart can be wicked, your soul can, can fluctuate. And even though you know the right thing to do and you know, know who God is, that, that sometimes you need to remind yourself, and it's interesting, get right, soul. And what is the right position of a soul? It's really to honor God, to worship God, to keep God first above everything else. And then he says, and he's kind of setting up the the theme of the psalm in the second part of verse 2, he says, and forget not all of his benefits. See, we don't, if, if you approach God and you, you serve him for the benefits, I think that you'll miss. But if you approach God and you serve him, it, it's good to remember it's good. He has benefits. Like, there are things that God does and ways that God is that is really good. And when our souls are, are distracted or, or downcast or depressed or anxious, like we need to remember and to remind ourselves of who this God we serve is. And he's going to list several things that are God's benefits. The benefits of a soul who is blessing God, the benefits of a soul that is submitted or knelt down 
to the Lord that has accepted Jesus as Lord. And there's, there's some benefits to doing that. In verse 3, he says, Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And I can, I can say, you know, in, in Scripture, there's a few words that are parallel and that overlap with iniquity. We don't always use iniquity in our real life. When was the last time you've told somebody, hey, your iniquity is showing? You know what I'm saying? Like the word we and the word transgression, we subject from different angles. And, and so I'm going to kind of go over them kind of quickly. But when you talk of sin, when the Bible says sin, very often the word that they're translating, it means very simply missing the mark. It means like there was a goal and you missed it. There was a thing, a right thing to do, and you didn't do it. A sin could be as easily as you're, you're cruising along the highway and the speed limit's 55 and you've been doing 75. And you didn't even know. You weren't paying attention. But that was a sin. That, that wasn't the mark. That wasn't the rule. That, that wasn't the target. The target was 55. And, and without any reason other than you just made a mistake. That's a sin. Transgression is, is a little different where it's, it, it, it kind of has the idea that you knew there was a boundary and you crossed it anyway. So where sin might be where you, you were doing 75 and you didn't even know it was 55. I did that driving to the airport one day um, from Missouri where we used to live. I was flying in for a friend's wedding so I drove to the airport after work and I was cruising, and I was doing 45, and the speed limit turned to 30. I didn't know. They gave me a ticket. I was so mad. And then I, I uh, talked to a lawyer, and they wound up changing it to a noise violation. Every time I drove through that town, I opened the windows and turned the radio up. I wanted to earn it. But that was a sin, a transgression would be you knew the speed limit, but you were in a hurry, you had other priorities, and, and you knew it was 55, but you said, you know, I'm just going to do 70. Done it before, haven't gotten caught. You knew there was a boundary, and you chose to go over it anyway, and you've transgressed. You've done something, like, almost willfully on purpose. And so then we come to the word iniquity, which is a word we, we, we don't really use. And this word... The root of it in, in, in the Bible, in the original languages, has, has the idea of being bent or being bent over or being crooked. It's kind of when we talk about walking uprightly. The Bible will speak about walking righteously or walking uprightly. Well, iniquity is kind of the opposite of uprightly. It's, it's that bent stuff with your spouse and you know the speed limit's 55, but you're going to do 90 because you're mad. You're not even in a rush. You've just chosen to do something because there's something crooked inside of you that is causing you to do wrong. He forgives all that. He forgives those mistakes we didn't even realize we were making when we just missed the mark. He forgives those times when we willfully chose to sin. And he even forgives that crookedness that's inside us 
that leads us into patterns of constantly rebelling against God. It's the God we serve. He heals all your diseases. I didn't say that. He did. I can wake up today and I, I don't feel healed. But it's not about feelings. It's about trusting that God will heal me. Will he heal me in this realm? Hopefully. But one day I'll be healed. Too soon. But ultimately there's a healing. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He picks you up. Some of us, we've been in pits. We've gotten caught in things and, you know, the idea of, of, of being stuck down in a pit in some kind of hole that you can't get out of. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be confusion. But we've all been in pits. And he reaches down, and he pulls us out of those times. This is a message of hope. That's what God does. He redeems your life from the pit. And then he crowns you. In spite of your iniquity, in spite of your disease, in spite of being stuck in a pit, and probably having some mud on you, he puts a crown on you. In a few days, I don't know when, I'm, I'm not British, but at some point that new king is going to get a crown. And it's kind of a big deal. They do it to show something. They want the world to know that like, hey, this guy is the king. And when God crowns you, it's like he wants to, you to know it. And he wants others to know that, that like he's, his love and not just love, steadfast, like unending, immovable love is on your life and his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. He wants to crown us with that. Verse 5, it says, he satisfies you with good. What does it mean? This is a question, not, not like a trick preacher question, but like a real question. What does it mean to be satisfied with good? To have so much good that you're satisfied, your soul is content. Why don't you talk to God about that? Say, God, what would that mean? What would that look like? So that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The idea was is that the eagles would, um, and this eagle that looked just terrible, like just beat up, all of a sudden he looks new and fresh and clean and has a new coat, and he can rise up on the wind. The eagles, they're known for rising to high places, and, and, and what we need is, is to get our eyes off of this world and onto him and have our youth renewed, have whatever feathers we would need to rise up with God's grace. He keeps going, though. Like, if that was the whole psalm, I think that would be enough. 
But he says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. If you've been oppressed or if you are oppressed, the Lord's working on your behalf. Verse 7, he talks about he made his ways known to Moses and the acts to the people of Israel. It's good for us to read those stories and to see how God was faithful. And, and man, the people of Israel kept messing up and God kept being good. If you don't get anything about it, there was a whole bunch of really messed up people that God called and God did not quit on. He brought them through. He revealed himself. And if you're messed up today like me, then know that God will, will be there for you. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Like, that's his nature. He enjoys, he takes delight in having mercy on you. If you've come in here today and you feel guilty and you feel shame, there might be a reason why. But know that God is greater than that reason. And he delights to show mercy. He delights to wrap his arms around you and, and let you know he will forgive you. And he is gracious. Mercy, when I tell my kids, mercy is, is not giving, teach them from a very early age because I wanted them to understand God's mercy. And grace is, is getting something you don't deserve, something good you don't deserve. So he will not give you what you do deserve and then give you some good that you don't. And then he says something that it just blows my mind. It says he's slow to anger. Man, I want to be that way. I'm not there yet. But slow to anger and abounding or overflowing or having so much that it's just pouring out of him steadfast love. Verse 9 has another word we don't use often. He says, he will not always chide. That word can mean like scold or, or accuse. God's not after you to beat you down. Yes, he will allow conviction to come and he will like get on us but it's only to bring us back to himself. So it won't always be there. His love will always be there. But his conviction is just when we need it. And he will not keep his anger forever. Some of us, and if we were honest, we could tell some stories here. Some of us have done some things to make God angry. But God's willing to release that anger and offer mercy and grace. Verse 10, it says, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. That's really hard for me. When I know someone has is, is done something wrong to me, I want to deal with, deal with us according to our sins. He deals with us according to equities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. If we were just to think for a second about how big the heavens that we've seen with our eyes or our telescopes are, we have one tiny planet in the midst of this huge universe. 
that goes on until we can't even see the end with the best of our technology. That's how great God's love is for you. There is no end out there. And if you look and you try to say, where is the end of God's love? You'll never find it. And that space is all around us. There's just as much space that way as there is that way. God's love is all around us. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him or reverence him, respect him. Verse 12 is one of my favorites. I told you I have a lot of favorites. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You've heard it before. This is not a brand new psalm, but it's good to remember. It's good not to forget all his benefits. But if you were to go north, eventually you hit the top, and you can't go north any farther. If you were to go east for the same thing, you hit the bottom, you can't go any more south. But you can go east forever. You can go west forever. So our sin is forever and ever and ever removed from us in Christ. That's how far his, our transgressions are removed. As a father shows compassion to his children, we're talking about a good father. Some people here may not have had good dads, and I, I'm sorry. But a father is supposed to have compassion, train them up and heal them up and teach them with compassion. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him or reverence him or respect him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Kevin, come over here real quick. I told you I woke up feeling sore, so I can't do this some. I've recruited Kevin. He's stronger than I am and didn't roll out of bed. Bring that over here, brother. See, we talked about iniquity. If you remember, I talked about that crookedness. See, Jesus, before he bore his cross, all these verses are found in Christ. Come over here, Kevin. When Jesus bore his cross, he wasn't probably standing like this. How do I know? He was up all night. He was beaten. His skin ripped with the whips, punched, beard ripped out. When he carried the cross, and that's why he's up here, I think he carried it like that. In fact, he might have even been lowered. In fact, I know he had a hard time carrying the cross because he had to have a friend carry it for him. Not a friend, a person. And when we think about Jesus, what did, what did the last scripture say? He remembers that we are dust. What did the word of God do? The word of God took on our frame, our flesh. The word became flesh. And he became crooked. Not crooked by his own sin, but crooked by the consequences of all of our sins laid upon him. And he carries this cross. And then what did they do? Stand, stand it up. They took him. And they literally stretched him out. 
and hammered him. And what was crooked was made straight, straight. He took the punishment for our sin, but it's bigger than forgiveness. It's also the the grace that is given to us to be able to stand upright before God, not of our own, but because of the gift. So this flesh was crooked, it was made straight, it died, and God lifted it back up. And right now, Jesus is alive today. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And it says in the scripture that that after he went through all of this stuff for our sin, I mean, that shows he loves us, right? But now he is at the right hand of the Father, and he's not just kicking his feet up relaxing. It says he lives to make intercession for us. He is going to God on our behalf because he remembers our frame. He knows that we're built in iniquity and there's crooked things in us that need to be straightened. And the only thing that can straighten us is the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Kevin. Would you bow your heads with me right now? going to eat. We're going to fellowship. But before we do, maybe you need to remember his mercy today. If if you've walked in here with the guilt of sin and iniquity, man, I don't want you to leave here with it. But I can't do anything about it. But Jesus already did your faith in him you'll know his benefits, his compassion and his mercy that we've been talking about if that's you here today if you've walked in here with a a lot going on that shouldn't be and you need God to straighten you out, you need his mercy and forgiveness would you just put your hand up right now where you sit amen Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that it is found in Jesus. We thank you that it is abounding in you. We thank you that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love. Lord, help us to reverence you, to bless you, to remember your goodness and your mercy. God, transform us, body, soul, and spirit. Would you stand with me? I just want to sing a little song, Robin. Hey, guys, I'm Bob.